Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Today is our final installment, at least not final, for now, of our Love versus series. We went through Love versus Hatred, Love versus Sin, Love versus con- <clears throat> Bitterness, Love versus all of these things that are the opposite of, and we've come to the conclusion that according to Scripture, love is the highest and the winner above all. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Question for you this morning, can Love, God's love, your love, changed the world. Now, we like to write songs about that. A lot of love songs and how powerful love is, the power of love we started this series out with. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like right now, and it's been this way in the past, so I'm not saying this is the worst time, but at least in my recent memory, this is a time where people are really bent on hating each other. You notice that? There's not a lot of talk about love. I mean, whatever happened to the hippies? All you need is love, man. You know, I mean, but it's, where is it now? Now. Now it's people talking about, well, this group of people are hatred people, and we hate them, and our hatred cancels out their hatred, and hatred, hatred every direction. It just seems like That is the day, and nobody's talking about love. But what's interesting, as we've gone through this series and I've looked through the scripture, especially the New Testament, concerning love, there's only 370 passages that talk about love. And as I went and re-read them this week and went over them, I thought, this is a totally unique book. Because nobody else, if they are, they're not getting published, is talking about this other than the scriptures. And as I, as I looked at it in comparison to world history, and I looked at it in comparison to what's going on today in our own country, I had to come to the conclusion that this, my friends, is it. Just the unique nature of it. This revolution that Jesus started is something that is totally unique. Because Jesus said, Think of the the leaders of this world, how they lord it over you. It shall not be so among you. He said, for those, the one who is to lead you shall come among you as a servant and be a servant to all. And love serves, doesn't it? So the big question is, today we've titled our message, Love Versus You. The big question we ask is, is God's love bigger than? than your weakness. And I would say that, yes, God's love is bigger than your collective weakness and our own personal individual weakness. Because you and I live in the real world. And when I say that, I know that I have to qualify that. When we say the real world, we're talking about, we're trying to say it's not some idealistic world, but it's a world that is real and messy and things aren't always perfect, right? 
It's sometimes you can feel like when you're in the church stores and you're hanging out at church that, you know, it's sort of an idealistic life, but the truth is that's not it. We live in a world where we deal with our own problems and deal with those issues. At the same time, we're dealing with the issues of the world collectively, right? But God's love, I have to believe this according to scripture and what I've seen in my own life as well in history, that God's love is bigger than our weakness. And I have to say also, not only is he bigger than our weakness, but God's love is something that not only we reflect like the moon reflecting the sun, but it's also something that's present within us that flows through us, blessing us, and then blessing those around us. And that's what we're going to look at today. All right. First John chapter three, verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Now, if you don't know much about God, or you don't have much of a relationship, or you're not a Christ follower, when you hear that God knows everything about you, it kind of makes you a a little nervous, don't you? We know everything about you. That's, see, that's kind of scary. You got a little scared right there, didn't you? But God knows everything. And now, if, you, if you've experienced his grace and you've experienced his love, then the fact that he knows everything about you sets you at ease. That you don't have to plead your case. You don't have to tell him, you know, how this happened. I don't know if you know me that well, God, but this is kind of my own personal problems. I'm trying to work through them. No. You don't have to go through any of that because he does know, and that is a comfort. Because he knows, that means he can make the right prescribed uh, anecdote to whatever you're going through. Now, he is the one who brings us all of this love in that he is transforming us in this way. But let me read you this passage again from the message. It really shows that there are signs of life. He says... In this way, this is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way out to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. You see, this kind of love gives us confidence. But God knows <clears throat> what you're going through. God knows what your problems really are, okay? And even though that you and I may not be as faithful as we had want to be, God still remains faithful. He doesn't change. He knew you before the foundations of the world and predestined you in Christ to walk in holiness, Okay, it's a way that God uses to shut down this debilitating self-criticism. You ever get that? I mean, this is how it's somewhat common. I can't speak for everyone. You know, we as human beings have so much in common, but at the same time, we're individuals, aren't we? We have individual stories, places that we've come to. My story is different than your story. They're unique, but yet we 
have a lot in common. Now, because of this, some of you have stories about the way that you lived and who you were before you became a Christ follower and you met Jesus Christ. And, and when, you, when that happens, you know, you pray and, and you put everything in the past, but then as you walk along, you find out that there's still plenty of junk rattling around in there that can come out. <clears throat> and that is where the real rub is. Because the further you go, you think, I would never do that. I would have never, uh, that would never be a part of my life ever again. And then all of a sudden you find yourself struggling with, it, if not failing from time to time. And that kind of thing can bring on this deep, debilitating self-criticism. And that's why it's God's love versus you. At that point, we're apt to say, I don't need to bother God with this anymore. I don't need to mess with Jesus. You know, I mean, he's heard me say this prayer enough times. Uh, I can get through it. But that's not true. His love is for you. His love is versus your own inclinations. He remains faithful even when we're not. All right. Listen, his love gives us confidence. Look at verse 21. And friends, <clears throat> once that's taken care of, we're no longer accusing, condemning ourselves, or bold, we are bold and free before God. We're able to stretch out our hands and receive what we've asked for because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. You see, there's a shift there. Well, how do you get this confidence? We get this confidence is that you, you come to realize over time that God remains faithful, completely faithful. And you come to lean upon that. And, and instead of living a life where you're constantly thinking about yourself, uh, living a life where you're trying to please yourself, trying to get things for yourself, that's, that leads to a lot of uh, disruption, let's say, right? I mean, there's no guarantee that if you spend your whole life trying to fulfill all of your hopes and dreams, that it's going to satisfy you. Most likely it won't. God knows that, and he's made a provision for it. And he says, I want you to put your mind on me, and I want you to think about me more than you think you should. I can bring fulfillment and peace and bold, give you boldness and confidence to come before me, but, but you've got to spend time with me. You've got to spend time with me. Here are our steps. If you've blown it, here's the thing. Be sorrowful for your sins. That's a good thing. It's not good to stay there forever, but it is a very good thing. It is a sign of health within each one of us when we can be sorrowful for our sins. I don't know why, but why do you have to tell little baby kids, little toddlers to say that they're sorry? Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. I try to get the dogs to say that, but they just kind of, huh? You know why they look that way? Because they're never sorry. <laughs> now, but we have to be reminded of that. So it's okay to be sorry for your sins. It's good. But being sorry is not good enough. You have to do something, okay? And that means you have to take the next step and take it to Jesus and ask him to forgive you. 
That's, that's the next step because that's, you're actually taking it to somebody who can do something about it. You find that it's hard for you to do something about it, so you have to bring it before God who already knows you and knows everything about you and loves you. You take it to him. You're doing something, and you ask him to forgive you. Then there's repentance. Well, what is repentance? <clears throat> well, I mean, I fear when I hear the, the term repent, it is so old and so overused, I feel like it should have like some weird crooked finger, repent ye, sinners, repent ye. You know, that kind of, it, it, it doesn't really carry exactly what it means. What it means is this. They used it in the New Testament, but it means to change one's mind and go in another direction. You're going this way. You're doing your own thing. You get in a mess, and then you're like sorrowful for it. He says, turn around and come to me. Go the other direction. Be with me, okay? And go the other way. Go the other way. See, that's, that is doing something that is very, very critical to turn and to say, I'm going to go in the other direction I've been walking away from God. Now I'm going to walk toward God. You see, remember this, that Jesus, <clears throat> throughout the New Testament, Jesus wants to lift you up so that you're not weighed down with all of this garbage. You ever seen somebody who's really under it? Maybe you're that way today. Maybe you're just like, oh, I'm so bummed out. I was listening to this um, documentary about... Uh, particular musician, and he had received such ruthless criticism, and someone finally came up to him and just really put him down, and he said, that guy didn't know it, but that sent me into four years of deep depression, that load, and it's so hard to live under that. It's, you would, some would say who've gone through it, it's not, it's not really living, and Jesus wants to lift that off of your back, and like, hey, you got, I don't know if you're, can you smell that? That's garbage. We want to get that off of you and get it over here, okay? Then he says he wants to free us so that we can enjoy him because we were meant to enjoy him. His love is active and it's on the move in us and it's also on the move in this world. It's because his commands, and he gives us commands because he has the authority to, his commands are simple and they're powerful if we put them into practice. Look at verse 23. Again, this is God's command to believe in his personal, personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. As we keep his commands, we live Deeply, We live and surely in him, and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep abiding presence in us by the Holy Spirit he has given us. You see, love is not some cheesy little temporal thing. My friends, I would say, it is the number one thing in the world. It is the most powerful. It is blameless. 
It at times is reckless, but it is God's way and it's his method. You see, believing and trusting in him is our way of life. He came and said, if you love, you'll sacrifice. If you love, you will give. And when you do, it will change the world around you. Listen, when your problems are too big, trust him. When you fall down, trust him. When he lifts you up off of the ground, trust him and follow him. His way is the way of joy, okay, and freedom. He is there. And our desires change when we find that pleasing him becomes our joy. You say, well, wait a minute. I want to be successful. Okay, good. Go find the scriptures that help you with that. Okay, I want to be popular. Okay, fine. But in the end, he says, leave. Those things are lesser than. They're lesser than. They're not the real deal. You got to know me. You say, well, isn't that self-centered? No, it's not. If he's the creator God and he has this ability and he's created us to know him, it means that we won't ever have complete fulfillment without him. I want to know him. I was talking to a young person last week and he said, well, I don't go to church. I said, well, not many people do since COVID hit. But she goes, well, that's good for you. And I thought, you know what? It's good for you too. What do you mean? Because I wouldn't want to miss out. Knowing what I know, knowing what I've seen in other people's lives and I've experienced in my my own, I wouldn't want to miss out on this. As imperfect as the church is, Knowing what we know, we would never want to miss out on Jesus. This is the life that God has called us to live. Let me read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in what? Love. Rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, okay, Here's like a pursuit in life to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know his love, okay, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. When it says it is surpassing knowledge, it means it goes beyond just mental Ascent to a truth, it is to be experienced. Remember that any of you ever rode a roller coaster? Hey, not many of you get out much. <laughs> but I'll go ahead and use the analogy. 
If you're watching and seeing some people on a roller coaster, you can say, well, that's really scary. That's really looks fun. But until you get on the ride and you buckle in, you don't know what you're talking about. Right? And that's the point here. You can see it. You can see God's love reflected in someone. You can see them experiencing it. But until you buckle in, my friend, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's why he said it surpasses knowledge. It is meant to be experienced. And that love, God's love, transforms us. All right? He transforms us and he transforms the world around us because his love was not only meant to be followed, it was not only meant to be received, his love is not only bigger than all of our weaknesses and things that we're lacking, it was meant to flow through you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each and for everyone else just as ours does for you. The message translation, I love the way he puts it. He said, and may the master pour on the love so it fills our lives and splashes over on everyone around you just as it does from us to you. It's sort of like taking something that is refreshing and needing for yourself and then blessing other people with it as well. And, And I know that we talk a lot about love, but I'm telling you people, until we take it seriously enough to try it and to live it out, we're just talking about other people on the roller coaster. Until we believe that this is something worthwhile, We'll continue to put it off. But once you believe that his love and this love is truly powerful and it has a purpose and it can change lives and the world and yours, we're never going to fully engage it. It'll be left as a nice mantelpiece. I believe in love. It's on my mantelpiece. Real love changes everything. Love is what the world needs. Does the world need another criticism? Maybe. I can think of a few. It's not really going to help anybody. Does Does the world need more ideas and philosophies to make things work? As wonderful as technology is, fascinating. What a benefit to mankind. At the same time, it hasn't been able to to really answer any true existential questions to heighten happiness, maybe temporarily. But you can have all the technology in the world and be as evil as the day is long. It's love. That's the gasoline and the giddy-up and go in humanity. Love can overcome our sin, our weaknesses, our prejudice, your own personal bigotry. 
It, it can over, overcome our humiliation. His love has the power to make us into something new and even better. Love flows against the tide of hatred and destruction in this world. You better believe that. Listening, I, I, I listen to books and read and stuff, and I was just shocked. There was a certain period in, throughout church history, but even in our own country, where people thought it was right to hate somebody because of a different race. And they would quote Bible verses to back it up. And as I look at that, I think that's the stupidest, most satanic evil thing I've heard. Why would you drag Jesus into your garbage of telling people, you know what, hating other people, that's where God wants, that's what God said, and that's what I'm going to do. No, it's not. You can't find that anywhere in here. And if we lose sight of that, we lose sight. Listen, if we don't put this as a priority, all the other comes in and takes over, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is the deal, people. His love flows against the tide of hatred and destruction in the world by loving, by absorbing hatred, by letting hatred go around, <coughs> by learning to care for people in the quiet and the privateness of our heart, letting ourselves be transformed, God transforms, not only us, but our world. His love has the ability and the power to unify us as human, as human beings and bring us together. So many things are taking us apart. God would bring us together, every tribe, every nation under the earth. His love has the power to unify and bring us together, and we must live in it. We have to stand in it. We have to bathe in it daily, and we extend it to others. It's not only in us. It has to flow out, and we are called to show a better way. Not, I mean, because you notice the presence of someone who is forgiving and kind, don't you? When someone doesn't have this ax to grind but they're actually there for you. There are signals, there are things that let you know that, to show us a better way to f reflect his love. And my friends, that is the mission that we're called to. It is our resolve to love God and to love others. Listen, if you don't like the way that things are going in this world today, it's pretty weird, I think. I look around and I wonder, what, what's next, Lord? There's so much opportunity to put other people down, to argue and to disagree. And, and if we've been thinking, how do we stem the tide? How do we change things? Well, my friends, it starts deep in here. Change may come slow, but change should come. I, um, for years, 
have had such fierce anger and almost hatred of people who drive in Albuquerque. <laughs> if you can call it driving. I feel like, you know, it's just, people should paint numbers on the side of their cars, wear helmets. But you'll be driving along and all of a sudden that person will come through who's just, they're on your tail, they start honking, then they zoom by you and, you know, you're just like, and they always have like a bumper hanging off because, you know, it's not their first time around. I can honestly say, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying it to give a testimony of the Lord in my life, that I, I honestly, I drive the speed limit now and because I'm thinking of other people. And when I see someone doing that, my heart immediately goes, oh, Lord, oh, God, protect them, protect the other people on the road, you know, or let them run out of gas right now. And, and I say that, and it's kind of simple, but it's something that we, we can all generally relate to. But I, I really believe that as I learn to pray for people that I don't know, when I have enough presence of mind to pray for political leaders that drive me absolutely crazy, when I pray for, for those who say that they hate my faith, what we stand for. I get it. But when I do that, the hostility that can be enlivened in me seems to dissipate. When you and I can hang out with people that we wouldn't normally hang out with, and you know, I was talking to a brother this last service, it's this man, two of us guys, we get together every couple of weeks and we go over stuff and we're so far apart on so many things, but yet we're not in Christ and we both feel it so good. And I think that is something that the Lord would look at and go, good, kids. That's the way I want you to be. You never know where a kind word, a soft answer can turn away wrath and someone's heart can be changed. We underestimate it. And in, in what we do, instead of believing in the best and the biggest, which is love, what do we do? We quickly go to, resort to power. Grab for power. Fight. Force. Jesus says, it's not my deal. We got to learn to love more. If you want things to change, love more. Forgive more. Pray more. Help more. Work for peace. Protect the weak. Don't be led by the newest news cycles. Be led by the Spirit, okay? And watch God work. Because the Spirit can speak to you. If you have set your heart to, to pleasing God and to listening to God... And, and to wanting to know what he's thinking, God can speak to you and use you in various occasions as he wants to. Otherwise, people catch us off guard and all we do is we get into a shouting match. <clears throat> uh,
Carly gave me a, uh, an article this week from Sonia McLeod. I thought it was really touching. It's from a woman from Saskatchewan, Canada. Her name is Sonia McLeod. <clears throat> she says, my father was a Taoist First Nation where the recent discovery of 751 unmarked graves were found. The Maryville Indian Residential School was founded in the 1890s by Catholic missionaries and lies within the lands of the Cowessus First Nation. In, 1960, in the 1960s, the federal government took control of the school. The school was handed back over to the Cowessus First Nation in 1987. The Maryville Indian Residential School was only one of hundreds of such schools across Canada. My husband watched the live broadcast from the Calisus today, announcing the discovery of 751 graves. I cannot bring myself to watch it. I can't because it's too emotionally painful. My parents were both residential school survivors. Today I turned 47 years old. I'm celebrating my life and having cake today, but is overshadowed by the countless lives of indigenous children that were taken. Children as young as three who were taken to these schools and never saw their families again. Hundreds upon hundreds of families who can't celebrate their birthdays like I do today. We can't even put the name on their <clears throat> remains. They can't be identified. Today, thousands of indigenous families are mourning in Canada. She talks about the pain. Can't imagine a mom's heart as a child is ripped away to be treated as less than, to be seen as worthless. And she says here, worst of all, it was all done in the name of God. It was not God. These were twisted, evil, perverted monsters, men and women in robes. I had a rough upbringing. Both my parents were basically kids and when I was born, and I don't blame either of them for what I went through. But she said, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't want to go to church but one day at the age of 12, my life was forever changed at a Christian summer camp where I responded to an altar call. When I lifted my hands as an act of surrender to pray, the Spirit filled my heart and soul. I was in awe of what happened. And from that moment, no one could tell me that Jesus was not real. But life at home Turned south as a kid and things went downhill. I became an adult and I struggled on many levels. My heart was desiring to know God. I called out to Jesus and he came and he changed my life. And I mean, he changed me deep inside my heart. He's filled my heart with joy and love. I've not known before. I know the name of Jesus is offensive to many and I don't blame you. I blame the ones who brought reproach against his name. 
When we look back at what happened to our people, it's no wonder that his name is hated. The Christian faith is ripped apart because of these monsters grossly misrepresenting him. But I've truly come to know who Jesus really is, and this is the real Jesus whom I've come to love with my whole heart and want to share. He can heal every wound and fill you to overflowing with peace, love, and joy. He did it for me, and I know he'll do it for you. That story is like millions of people throughout history and around the world of what God can do. There's a difference, right? You can put the name of Jesus on it, You can call it Christianity or whatever. But my friends, if this whole love thing isn't there, it's not real. Or worse, it's fake. Notice how hatred separates us from other people. Oh, your skin's brown. Hmm. Yours is black. Yours is white. You've got a tan. Yours is a different color. Your eyes look different. You have a different language. In Christ's economy, we could go, hey, you're different. That's cool. Because love isn't looking to separate. Love is told to abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. But not to other people. The sadness and the wickedness of human race and hatred separate us, cause us to demonize the other, someone that's different, murder, kill, subject, oppress, garbage. What I don't hear other groups saying today is this, love is the answer to that. Give me a better answer. Oh, if we could just get the right people in office. Really? Been on that road for quite some time. If we could just get the right ideas or put the right laws in, and that laws, are per- laws have purpose, they're good to protect. But my friends, unless we address the real thing, and that's the evil in humanity, and it's antidote, true love coming from the heart, we're never going to get anywhere. We'll be doing the same old stupid things and praying that the Lord will come soon. Come on. That's right. Can I get one more? All right. It's some serious business. Do you believe in the power of love? Do you believe that God can truly change you in the world, if you do, get ready. Get ready, because it's going to get exciting. Well, we're going to take communion. It's the loan is the Lord's Supper. We're not having a picnic today, but you know what? This is the best meal you'll have all day. If you don't know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and his love in your life, my friends, you are fortunate. You can simply 
If you really are convicted about that, you can simply ask God to forgive you, and he will. You just go to him. He knows all about you. Go to him. Say, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Restore me. And he will. Because even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Father, we ask forgiveness, Lord, for the things that we've done that have been displeasing to you, they're wrong, sinful. And we ask, Lord, that you cleanse us and restore us completely to yourself. Lord, that we would take our joy not in what's evil, but in you. That we'd learn to love and to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And then, Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the things that you've called us to do and that we've been rebellious and we haven't done them. Oh, Lord, please forgive us and give us opportunities to serve you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus told his disciples, take this bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, remember me. Flesh and blood, just like you, just like me, but only one would be required. How sweet it is. Well, would you please stand? I want to give you a blessing before we leave today. Love gives me hope. Anybody else here get hope from love? All right. Well, I, I, I think it's the most powerful thing in the world. God's love. I just pray that it flows through us and changes our world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper and give you peace. And so I have one, just let you know, after the service today, we have folks in the back who have uh, offering plates we take up offerings for those who can't make it throughout the month, and God has been able to supply so many needs uh, so generously through this time. So if you have some of the Lord's money in your pocket, please leave it in the back. Um, now, one more thing. If you need prayer after service, I'd love to meet with you. Go take my microphone I'm off, and I'll be here. Other people will be here to pray with you. And if God's working at your heart, we don't want you to pass that up. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. 
From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.